Hello world, my name is Hannah and this is my world where I am going to be humble, open, and transparent about my journey as the wife, the mom, and the boss. Hello world and welcome back. So today I want to take my time and just talk to you guys about some of the reflections that I've had. And I'm pretty sure we've all had a lot of time to reflect, especially in the current state of our country. But I want you to grab your glass of wine, your cup of coffee, cup of tea, whatever drink of your choice, but just relax because I I think I have some things that I want to share that may, you know, you may agree with. There may be some things that you're like, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. But seriously, hear me out. So a friend of mine recently asked me to join her on a marriage devotion. And uh, one of the things that really stuck out to me on the very first day with this devotion is when the author said, being a helper is not for the weak. Let's stop right there. Being a helper is not for the weak. It's, it's not. If you understand what being a helper means. And so she continues to say, being a wife means being your husband's rock of support when everything around him feels like it's crashing down. Pause again. When I read that, those last two words, crashing down, or maybe let's back up a little bit. When he feels like everything around him is crashing down. That hit home to the current state of our country and how for black men, it feels like everything is just like crushing down on them right now. Not just the, for black men, the black community, but especially our black men, because it seems like they're being targeted. And so she continues and she says, when you grasp what it means to be a support, you begin to get an image of your role as being more like a rock than a doormat. Now that last sentence really hit home for me because in the 12 years of marriage, there are several times that I have felt more like a doormat. I never really used the word doormat, but I've said things like, I feel underappreciated, I feel undervalued, I feel taken for granted. You know, what would you guys do without me? It, it seems like nobody else cares about the, the same things that I do. I've had those thoughts. I don't know if you guys have, but I know that I have. Um, for me as a wife, this really resonated with how I have felt at times. And it really resonated with where we are right now. So basically, the overall uh, devotion was talking about like honoring your husbands, at least on the first day was uh, about honoring your husbands. Um, but as the devotion continued, it was just talking about, you know, how you can go about that. Because the author also brings up, um, well, one of the questions that she asked was, there are many ways that today's culture encourages women to dishonor their husbands. What are some examples of this? And it really made me reflect. It made me reflect on the fact that there's this word that seems to have a negative connotation attached to it. It's viewed as a dirty word or even a curse word for some people. And that word is submission. And to be honest with you guys, I really want to do like a roundtable talk podcast discussion with a group of ladies from, from different backgrounds, you know, uh, some older women and younger women, some women with children, without children, um, just to talk about this word, because I feel that, you know, we really don't understand what that word means, which is why a lot of us struggle 
with the terms of submission. Uh, it's as if we feel that to submit to our husbands um, and to submit in a marriage, and this goes for whether you are single or married, because, you know, for the singles who want to be married, who are already, you know, doing their own thing, they struggle with that word submission in a marriage because they're like, ain't no man going to tell me what to do. And that's not what submission is. In fact, we're supposed to submit to each other. Your husband is supposed to submit to you and you're supposed to submit to him. But yes, in the biblical household, <laughs> in a biblical Christian household, in a biblical setting, um, the husband is the head of the house. So, and, and I can only speak for me and Anthony Yes, he is the head of the Jenkins household, but a lot of the times Anthony and I will discuss things. We'll talk it out. He'll hear what I have to say, you know, and ultimately somebody has to take the lead, you know, and if there's a decision that I disagree with, I voice that. I, I tell him that I disagree with that. I'm not sure that that's the right thing. However, this is where I submit you guys because because I am a believer, because I trust in God, because I trust that my husband is looking to God for guidance in how to direct our family, I submit to his decision, even though I disagree with it. And then I take it to God and I'm like, Lord, all right, this is, I'm not comfortable with this, but I'm trusting in you. All right. Now my, my, I, I trust Anthony to be looking to God for leadership and for guidance, but now I'm turning to God and to my relationship with him. And I'm just like, Lord, I'm trusting you that he, that you are guiding him. I'm, I'm trusting that by me submitting and being obedient to your word of submitting to him as the head and to do this decision that you are going to take care of us, that even if this is a bad decision, it's going to work out for our good. Because what does that scripture says? All things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and that are called according to his purpose. I know I love God. Um, the, the Bible tells me that I, if I love the Lord, that I will obey his word. So I know I love him because I'm obeying him by submitting, right? And then am I called? Yes. He's told me several times throughout the world, throughout the word that I have called and appointed you. So I know that that scripture applies to me. So regardless of whether or not the decision that is about to be made is the right one, it will work out for my good. So that's a reason how I can submit or a reason why I will submit. Uh, it's just like, you know, with the purchase of this home, and I, I, I know I've shared this with our life group. I can't remember if I shared it with you guys or not. Maybe I have. But just real quick, you know, the purchase of this home at the time of us purchasing it, I didn't think we were ready. I was quite comfortable with us still being in the apartment. I was like, hey, we can stay here a little bit longer. This doesn't bother me staying here. Let's save up some more um, so we can have a bigger down payment or maybe even find something where it has everything that we want, you know, but he was ready to move forward. So what did I do? I submitted to that decision. And I, I really was not there. And I'm not even going to lie to you guys because it's not like, like oh, I just got this heart where I'm, I'm, I'm in it now. No, 
it took some praying because your girl was not cool about moving forward with the purchase of this house, but I did not want to resent him either or not like this home. So I prayed and asked God to, you know, get my heart in alignment with him to help me fall in love with this house to help me be on board so that me living in this house I would be happy and be at peace and not resent it and he did that for me so like I said that's a discussion for another time talking about this word submission but I do feel that a lot of times when it comes to honoring our husbands and you know uh supporting them it's difficult because we're met with, you know, obstacles like having to submit, you know, as a, a way of honoring our husbands or for those women out there who are major bosses. You know what I'm saying? That's another thing. Uh, I feel like it is portrayed in in the world that if you are already a boss and now and and you're the leader you've been especially for for you singles you know here it is you've you've bought your own home you pay for for your car like you've done everything for yourself you have this business you're successful or you're the ceo of a fortune 500 company like you're out there doing your thing and so for you it's like oh now i'm about to get married i gotta submit to him and you know it, that's not what it has to be. And if you have aspirations and dreams to do other things, this is why you talk about those kind of stuff, because he should still support you in your dreams and you support him. And then check this. Y'all got dreams together that you work on together. Like the goal of the marriage should be for you guys to build a legacy to leave to your children and your children's children. And if you're that couple who doesn't plan on having kids, and that's fine, you still build a legacy that you can pass on to others and to mentor and to show them how you did it. You know, like that's what that's supposed to be. Where it's marriage is really a beautiful thing, but it takes work. It it does. Um, I I believe that Natalie Todd said it best um, when she said that marriage is death. <laughs> and it's funny because, you know, Pastor Michael Todd responded and he was just like, wow, that's that's very encouraging. But no, she was being honest. She was being completely honest when she said that it is death because it is dying to yourself. It is dying to your selfishness, your conceited ways, maybe even narcissistic um, but it's dying to yourself on a daily base basis for the rest of your life, because in marriage, it can't be about you. Anthony and I have this saying, when I win, we lose. When I lose, we win. I can't always be like, nah, I'm going to win this fight. I'm going to win this. I'm going to because then we lose. The it, It's only when I die to self and 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 lay down how I feel and think about him and our marriage and our family more than I think of myself that it wins and that in itself may not even be received by some people in a good way so that's also probably something that I might have to break down at another time <laughs> because to today is about honoring my husband it's about, you know, recognizing him as the protector and the provider 
and the the lover and supporter of our house. I mean, he is a very in, you know, he's very he's all in when it comes to his family. He's very involved with the kids. You know, he he goes hard for them. He works hard. I mean, I admire this man's tenacity. I admire his strength. And the thing is, is that um, I'll even. OK, so I've told you guys, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm going off on a tangent, but it's just sending out affirmations to my husband right now just reminded me of a recent polo in our um, women's group. Um, and so it's the, the Ladies of Love Strong. It's the uh, marriage life group uh, that I've mentioned to you guys that Anthony and I um, are leaders of. And so um, it's Love Strong is the name of the marriage life group, but Ladies of Love Strong are all the wives and we have a polo together. And so once a week I'll come on and I'll give a question of the week. And sometimes some of the other ladies will come on and pose a question as well. So a couple of weeks ago, um, one of the ladies posed the question of what are three things that you admire or love about your husband? So we all came on and we shared our three things. Some of us, you know, tried to fit in a little bit more in a creative way. But, you know, it was just an outpouring of love and support and the things that we admire about our husband. So after all of us had shared our our thoughts, um, the the other wife came back on and she said, "Okay, so now what I want you guys to do with that is every time that he doesn't do one of those things or every time he does something that you don't like, I want you to think back on what you said that you love and you admire about him. And she was trying to get us to change our perspective because a lot of times, even though we're supposed to walk by faith and not by sight, we have a tendency to see what we see, (laughs) not look beyond what we see, not, not focus on what we see, but to focus on what we see and really be in the moment and just be like right now I'm not seeing the guy that I admire and love I'm seeing the guy who didn't put the dishes in the dishwasher like I had asked him to or I'm seeing the guy who didn't you know um who who fixed his food but didn't think about the kids food while I was doing something that was like, Hey, you going to feed the kids. Like I'm seeing the guy who, you know, didn't pick something up that I asked him to pick up like two weeks ago. And it's still there. And he is like, literally he's sitting right next to it. And I'm just like, bruh, you don't see that. That's what I'm seeing. I'm not seeing the guy who I look at and admire for his tenacity and his work ethic. I'm not seeing the leader who leads by example. I'm not seeing, I'm definitely not seeing the leader who leads by example in that moment. But like, seriously, we, we tend to look at and focus on the negative rather than the positive. Prime example, what we're going through right now with COVID-19 um, uh, one of my, my friends posted on Facebook, she was like, I know that this may be con- contrary to popular belief, but um, 2020 has been a great year. For a lot of people, 2020 has not been a great year. But for her, it has been. Why? Because she chose to look at the positive and look at, 
you know, the blessings that have come out of COVID-19. And truth be told, y'all, there's a lot that has come out of of this negative situation. And I do understand and I've said it before on the podcast, we're all in the same storm, but we're traveling in different vessels. And because we're traveling in different vessels, for those of us who may be traveling in this storm by canoe and um, and has been taken on water, this, the, nothing about it seems good. But the fact of the matter is, is that there's always a blessing There's always something to be grateful for because at the end of the day, there's always somebody who is worse off than you. You know, it just causes you to think. It causes you to try to refocus. And that's really what this is all about, right? It's all about us changing our perspective and changing the way that we we look on things. One of the reasons why or another reason why this particular statement by the author stuck out to me is because in the current state that we're living in, um, as I mentioned before, our black men especially are being torn down, teared apart, ripped up, and not even considered to be valuable or even human at times. The way that they have been treated. You know, we've we've heard the countless stories with, you know, Ahmaud Aubrey and with George Floyd and then most recently, well, not even most recently because we had Rashad Brooks. Um, his homegoing service just occurred and now I looked on my feed and I see something about Elijah McClain. Like, my goodness, am I, like, th- is this going to be my new normal that every time I turn on the television or go to social media it's another story ah, it's frustrating and I'm gonna pause for a moment because yes right now I'm focusing on the black man but let's not forget Breonna Taylor let's not forget the fact that after all this time only one of the officers have been fired and yet to be indicted Justice for Breonna Taylor, just want to say that real quickly. We shall continue to say her name. We shall continue to call out and to scream justice for Breonna Taylor. It's past time for y'all to have fired everyone involved and indict them. Charge them. They need to be charged. Please give her justice. Okay. I continue (laughs) with what I needed to say. Um, but I had to say that to take a moment out for her. And and I want to talk about that, too. But now's not the time. <laughs> so as I was continuing to read um, this particular devotion and I, you know, see what I'm seeing in the news and in the media, I can't help but feel like, man, this is like that debate about whether or not you should fix your husband's plate or I don't want to just say husband, but fix your your man's plate. You know, whether he's your boyfriend, your, your friend, you know, your, your boo thing, whatever. It doesn't matter. There's this big debate about whether or not you should fix your man's plate, whether a woman should do this. Now, there's this on running joke amongst me and my friends when it comes to Anthony, because he is spoiled. He will tell you that he is spoiled. His mama spoiled him, and fortunately for him, he found a wife who was going to spoil him too. And when I tell you that this man is spoiled, my husband will literally sit at home hungry 
and not fix his plate because he's waiting for me to come home to do it. Now, some of y'all may have an issue with that. He'd be like, uh-uh, girl, are you serious? And you still fix his plate after he will wait at home? Yes, I will. And I'll explain to you why. Because one, I find it flattering. Even though I, at times it, I do find it annoying too. I'm going to just be honest. We, we try to keep it, you know, um, 100 <laughs> on this podcast. But... I do find it flattering because my husband, you know, per, uh, he he would rather have me fix his plate. He prefers for me to fix his plate than for anybody else, including himself. He, he'll make little jokes and he'll be like, but Hannah, you fix it so much better. I don't fix it like you. It tastes better when you fix it. Boy, please. Are you serious? But. It's cute. It's flattering. I enjoy it. Yes, sometimes it's annoying, but overall, I enjoy it more than I'm annoyed by it. Two, I have always been taught that this is my way of honoring my husband. This is my way of showing him that he is worthy. He is king of his castle, that he is somebody. He is significant. He is important. He is the man that I love. And I will always go hard for him. And if somebody has a problem with that, they have a problem with that. But in the words of Tabitha Brown, that's my business. You know, that's my business if I choose to fix my husband's plate. So, yeah, when we are at gatherings, I will fix his plate before I fix my own. As a matter of fact, I normally fix his plate before I fix the kid's plate. Um, And more recently, because them little jokers are getting more independent day by day, they starting to fix their own plate. So I'll fix his and then I'll fix mine. And if somebody has an issue with it, then that's your issue. And you need to check yourself and figure out why. Because there's nothing wrong with that. That's a way that I choose to honor my husband. And that's the way that I, I choose to give him a piece of what he does not get when he's outside. As I continue to read this devotion... And I think about the current climate. I'm like, man, when you think about it, here it is. Your your husband or your fiance or these men in your life are going out into this world where they are not treated as humans. And that might not be everybody's story. I know that there's some people out there who feels like, well, I don't experience that at all. Well, that's great if you don't. But majority do. And so for those who do and they're out there and, you know, they're getting torn down or they're being racially profiled or they are experiencing police brutality just because of the color of their skin, you know, they're, that they're going through all of this. When they come home, they shouldn't get the same thing at home. And I can only speak for myself and y'all who have been listening for a while, you know that I'm only going to talk my truth. If somebody agrees with me, great. If you don't, that's okay too. You can always send in your listener letter and I'll love to read the comments. But for for me in particular, I know that I am guilty sometimes of, again, focusing on the negative so that when he comes home, I may, you know, have an attitude with him about certain things that wasn't done that I thought should have been done in the house. And I'm tearing him down after he's already had a a bad day. Now, in Anthony's case, Anthony works at the church. So it's not like, you know, he's experiencing those things at the church. 
Um, but has my husband been pulled over? Has he been racially profiled? Yes, he's experienced those things. Or it could just be that he had a bad day at work. And when he comes home, he's just looking for peace. My friend Tara Body talks about that in her book, Marriage is a Beautiful Thing. But what I wish I would have known, you know, she specifically says about how she is her husband's place of peace. You as a wife represent peace for your husband. I'm going to push a pin right there, too, because when you think about it, think about the matriarchs in your family. Who are they? Majority of the time, they are a woman. They're the, that's the matriarch. The, it's usually the the Medeas of the family, the big mamas, the the dear ma, you know, the the mama, the big ma. Uh, those names, those those terms of endearment, endearment that we give them. It's a woman in the family who is like in soul food. Food they said the fist. Who is the fist of the family? She's the one that holds everybody together. She's the one that will check and read and throw you some shade, but at the same time, fix you a plate and be like, now eat. She is the one who holds things down, who gets everybody back in alignment and just like, listen, I love you, but I'm going to check you. I'm going to tell you what's really going on. She's the one that you go to for wisdom and seek guidance and support and for comfort. She's the one when you think about some herbal remedies, hey, big mom, what am I, what, what did you use? You know, we joke about the castor oil and all this other stuff that they used to give us, but let something be wrong. And we go back to big mama and just be like, hey, uh, so what did you say again that I need to do? You know, she's the one who makes us laugh. She's the one who we, you know, appreciate so much because of the wisdom and the things that she gives. Big mama is you. That is who you represent in your family as you get older. And for those of us who have children and our children get older, you now become that matriarch of your family. And to behold that position, you have to understand that being a helper is not for the weak. You have to understand that in this position, in this role, in this responsibility that you have, that it requires self-sacrifice, which is not easy. You know, it's not an easy thing, but that is our responsibility um, as the nurturer. You know, Tara also talks about in the book about how in the Bible, there's only two places where a helper is mentioned. And it's when God was creating Eve and when he was talking about the Holy Spirit. And she continues to go on to say how we have characteristics of the Holy Spirit, like being an intercessor and, you know, being uh, the, the support, being a comforter. Like these are different things, different characteristics that we have um, as the, the helper in our house, being that counselor. Like I said earlier, we go to, to Big Mama um, for counsel, to, for wisdom, for those nuggets. Like that is what we are. And when we need somebody to advocate on our behalf, you know, a lot of times we're like, well, I'm going to call Big Mama because I'm, I'm going to tell her how you acting. You know what I'm saying? Like these are the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. And with these characteristics, it's work. It's work to, to counsel somebody. It, and when you're counseling somebody, you can't think about 
you know, yourself in this moment, you have to think about that person because now they're looking to you for wisdom and guidance and you got to figure out what to say to them. You know, being an intercessor, that's hard because being an intercessor means that you're interceding on somebody else's behalf. It ain't about you in that moment. You know, being an advocate right now, it ain't about you advocating for yourself, but being an advocate for someone else. All of these characteristics are helping someone else not focusing on you and I just think a lot of times for us the real struggle is dying to self denying self denying how I feel so what you trying to say Hannah you saying that my feelings don't matter yes your feelings matter but right now it ain't about your feelings (laughs) it's about you being a support to your husband or being a support to your family You telling me right now in this moment, check it, you telling me my feelings don't matter ain't no different from somebody saying all lives matter at a Black Lives Matter protest. Hello. It ain't about your feelings right now. It ain't about other lives right now. We talking about Black lives. It ain't about other husbands (laughs) right now. (laughs) I'm sorry, y'all. Okay, let me let me rewind with that last statement. Because um, recently uh, there was a a segment on the Today Show, I believe CBS, and on Good Morning America about um, the founder of the Dad Gang. And um, his name is Sean Williams. And Sean is a black father who I believe lives in New York. And he started this movement called the Dad Gang. And the movement all started from an interaction he had with a white woman Um, I guess he was, you know, out and about playing with his kids, doing his dad thing. And I believe the woman came up and said something to the extent of like, you know, it's nice to see that you stayed in your children's life and that you're, you know, interacting with them. Those are not her words uh, quoted, um, but in jest, that's what she said. Um, which basically came across as a backhanded compliment. And so um, this twerked a nerve for Sean and he decided to start showing you know that black fathers do exist and they are in you know they are engaged with their children and it's not by obligation it's because they want to be and so um if you visit their Instagram page um it's called the dad gang you will see tons of videos and photos um of men fathers just doing daddy things just daddying like they have shirts uh that say uh I am dad goals and um I'm a dope dad and you know it's just it's a great movement and so um I think Anthony came across uh the Instagram about a year ago and um and so I bought him the shirt last Father's Day and so um he recently did a a post um or video not for the dad gang but he was wearing um I am dad gold shirt and so um anyways he posted a video about a black man's thoughts because of everything that's happening in our country right now and Sean came across the video and reposted it on his uh on his Instagram page so anyways long story short uh 
when they were doing these segments on on Sean, uh, I think it was the Today Show, they had decided to get in contact with some of the dads from the dad gang to surprise Sean during their news segment. And um, Anthony was blessed to be one of those fathers. So anyways, um, you know, this gets posted on on Facebook, you know, like the segments and everything like that. So Anthony was was scrolling through the comments and <laughs> he was sharing with me how there were some people who were upset or bothered by the fact that black fathers were being honored on Father's Day, y'all, because all fathers matter. Really? Here it is, black men for forever, but just in more recently have been just depicted in this negative image lately now this is nothing new this is just over time hence why the woman came to sean in the first place talking about some oh it's nice to see that you are actually involved in your children's life because uh you know stereotypes tell me that the black father does not exist that black fathers are either dead in jail or in a gang somewhere like they don't care about their kids so to actually see a myth this is mythical. Like, oh my gosh, you're a unicorn. You are a black father and you playing with your kids. What? So the fact that they were being honored on a nationally televised show was a great thing. That was, to me, that was great for the dad gang movement. And that was great for the black community because it shows that we do have fathers who care, who are engaged, who are involved and who are there because they realize and recognize their role and responsibility as a father and as a male in their community and so to see that people were making comments like oh well white fathers matter or white fathers are important and asian fathers and all really but do you okay so tell me where you see a white father being um uh being is being a shock that a white father is involved in his children's lives tell me where you see that it is um a myth for an asian father to be involved in his children's life tell me where so this it just takes me back to that whole thought process of you want to shout all lives matter all fathers matter in a moment <laughs> when we talk about black lives black fathers really so i shared all of that with you guys to to, to say that out there in the world, they ain't trying to support our men. And even when when they are being supported, there's still somebody trying to tear them down. That's outside. We can't protect them from the outside. But what we can do is make them feel like king inside. What we can do is support them inside. What we can do is make them feel like they are the best thing since sliced bread inside because what we cultivate the environment in our homes we're the thermostats we set the temperature in our home as women women do you realize the power that we have that we possess in our homes i mean and not just in our homes because we are some influencers out in society as well i mean women are doing some big things but in our home not talking about outside. I'm talking about in the home. Do you realize the power that you possess as a woman to set the environment, to set the precedence? When mama's not happy, nobody's happy. What's that saying? Happy wife, happy life. I mean, that is so true because if 
I'm not happy. Ain't nobody going to be happy up in here. The other day, me and the kids had a um a little, we had a little situation um, because we all got up and we were cleaning the house and everything. And um, at one point, mama was still cleaning and the kids was like sitting around playing video games or doodling on their stuff, on their tablets. And I'm like, hold up. No, it ain't. Mm-mm. You can't be sitting down while I'm still working. Like, no, that's not going to happen. So that was a prime example of um, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody in the house going to be happy. If mama's still cleaning, everybody's still going to be cleaning. I I don't have any say-so over what Anthony does. So if Anthony says, okay, well, I've done what I'm going to do, and now I'm going to take my break, hey, that's what you do. Like, I'm not your mama. I'm not going to tell you what you're going to do because that that ain't what I'm going to do. But them little two, I am they mama. And no, they not finna sit down <laughs> and while I'm still working, nah, it's still stuff to be cleaned up. As a matter of fact, how about you take some of my chores, you know? But that's what I'm saying. Like, I set the thermostat in my house. I, I, I am the thermostat in my house. I set the temperature and I create the environment that's here. So if I want my house to be at peace, then I'm going to create an environment of peace. And if I want my husband to feel like king and feel like I am his place of peace, that after he comes in from outside, whether, you know, it was a disagreement or whatever the case may be, that when he walks through those doors, everything that was on his shoulders from the outside just falls off because now he has walked into this environment that is peaceful, that is serene, that tells him I am loved, I am supported. Like I don't have to carry this weight anymore. I can lay down my burdens and I can just rest and relax. And then, and to know that his wife is there to comfort him and to, to, to be there to support, to be a listening ear, not add on to the list of demands that he has. And I truly believe that if I do those things, and y'all, I'm not going to say that I do it every day. Listen, listen, Linda. (laughs) I don't do it every day. I don't get it right every day. I have to be reminded of this. This devotion that I read reminded me, Hannah, this is your responsibility. This is what you have available to you to create this atmosphere in your home to affirm your husband. And a reminder, by the way, your husband's love language is words of affirmation. Girl, get on your job. Do what you're supposed to do. Listen. So I'm, I'm saying all of this because these are the reflections and the thoughts that I've had, you know, over these past couple of weeks especially with reading this devotion, because it was a reminder to me of my responsibility of being his rock, not his doormat. Don't feel like a doormat. Don't feel like, you know, woe is me and everything's on me. The kids calling me and I got to do that. That's when you're focused on you. And I'm not saying that you that you don't matter because you do. And you should take self-care because it's important because if you're constantly pouring out and not allowing yourself to be refilled, then eventually you'll be running on fumes. So you do matter. Your feelings are of significance. But at the same time, this is where that dying to self comes in because it's not always about you. It's about you Also fulfilling your responsibility as the helper in your house, being that rock, not only for your husband, but for your children. And for those of you who don't have children yet, you know, being the rock in your in your family 
being that support system. It's being a helper, like the author said, is not for the weak. It's not. If you don't have it in you to put somebody else's needs before your own, then being a helper is not for you. And if you're single and thinking about being a wife, that may not be for you because ultimately that is what we are called to be. It, he said it, that I need to make a helpmate. I, we're a helper. That's our role in our husband's lives. You know, being a wife means being your husband's rock of support when everything around him feels like it's crashing down. He needs you to be his rock. Now, let's not get it twisted. I know that God is ultimately his rock. When my heart is overwhelmed, my prayer, Lord, lead me to the rock. So I know that God is his rock. At the same time, God also places women in the lives of men to be that rock as well, to be that support, to be that encourager. The Bible tells us that we're supposed to edify and build up, that we're supposed to try to be at peace with all people. Like, that is what we're supposed to do. That's why fellowship is important. That's why um, two are better than one, you know, because if you drop there, the other is there to pick you up. We're there to support one another, to be there for each other. So that's that's the position. That's the responsibility. And as a wife, that is your role in your husband's life and in the life of your family. So I hope you guys got something out of today's episode. I always do. I pray that you guys do because I truly share what is laid on my heart um, to share with you. And so I hope that, you know, this was encouraging to all. And I would love to know if it was. So please continue to send in your listener letters. And you can do that at hannahsworld 0 at gmail.com. Or you can connect with me on Instagram at hannahsworld 0 I always see the DMs, so go ahead and drop a sister a note right there and let me know what you're thinking. But until next time, peace out, world. Peace out.